looking at the kingdom of God, right? And so this week we've been looking at, uh, as you see, the parable of the weeds. And uh, it's interesting where the story for this statement came from. Look to someone and say, bloom where you are planted. Bloom, bloom where you were planted. There was a bishop of Geneva, St. Francis de Sales. He lived in the 1500s. And this is what he had to say. Truly, charity has no limit. For the love of God has been poured into our hearts by his spirit, dwelling in each one of us, calling us to a life of devotion and inviting us to bloom in the garden where he has planted and directed us to radiate the beauty and spread the fragrance of his providence. So that's where somebody read that quote and decided, well, let's just shorten it and we'll call it Bloom Where You're Planted. That's where that statement came from. So now you know where that came from. It came from Jeremiah. <laughs> and so we looked at the first Sunday, we looked at what? The reality that this is our scripture for the year and what God is calling us and it's about kingdom. And we are in the midst of anxiety and difficulty. We are to seek his kingdom first and his righteousness. And God is going to take care of the rest. But we need to seek him first. And so if it is about the kingdom of God, if everything is about the kingdom of God, then what is the kingdom like? And so that's what we started last week in this chapter of Matthew 13. It's great for me to talk about the kingdom, but the truth of it is we want to hear what Jesus had to say about the kingdom. Because the kingdom is what he preached the most. Did you realize that? People will get up and preach all kinds of things. But the thing that Jesus taught the most was about the kingdom of God. That why he came. And so we saw last week that the kingdom of God is like what? It's like seeds, right? Planted in diverse soils. And we said last week that the kingdom of God is mysterious. And it's mysterious in the fact that there are secrets in the kingdom of God. But it's dependent upon your heart and how it's prepared to receive the word of God. If it will fall on good soil and produce a wonderful harvest of God. We heard last week of those hardened hearts. Those that are across the thorns and the different seeds. How the seed is sold in, and sowed in different soil. And how that will have an effect on the kingdom. And so some people just don't get it. It's a mystery for them. It sounds crazy to them. They just don't get it. And remember we said last week that there's math here. Because Jesus says what? One in four get it. It's not like everyone is going to get it. Now we pray later on they'll get it. That's why we keep sowing the seed and we keep praying. But he said don't expect everyone to have that revelation that everyone gets it. It's a mystery. This week we're looking at what is the kingdom of heaven like or the kingdom of God like? It is contested. Now, what do you mean, Pastor, by the word contested? Well, we know the word contest, but contested means uh, it, it's to make a subject something of dispute, something of contention, something of litigation. Now, if you play or know rugby, you'll know it's contested. Uh, and another word we could use today, challenge. The kingdom of God will be challenged. Now, we don't always want to hear that. So there's three opponents, three opponents that we can see about the kingdom of God. There's the world, there's the flesh, Paul uses that term, the flesh, and then there's the devil, the enemy. And the devil is the strongest opponent, isn't he? 
And he's committed to wrecking anything good. Did you hear that today? Amen. He doesn't play fair. He doesn't care if he's making your life miserable. He will do whatever he can to wreck anything good. And he wields this enormous power over the second opponent of ours, which is the world. The world is not a care about what the Bible says. It is a sin-fractured culture, and we live in it day in and day out, and they are constantly trying to influence you. And if you haven't understood that, you need to wake up. People in the world will try to manipulate you. Young people will try to attack you, criticize you, persecute you, and tempt you, whatever way they can. And then there is that final opponent that comes against us, and Paul says, it's my own flesh. That the spirit wants me to do something, and the flesh is wanting to do something else. And so, the truth of it is today, the kingdom of God will always be challenged. Always contested. Just this parable in a nutshell, you heard it, and thank you, Daryl, for reading it for us. In this second parable, Jesus describes the evil work of an enemy to plant weeds at night in a field of wheat. Immediately, the work is detected, but due to the external similarities of these divergent crops, the farmer holds back his servants' gathering hands. He fears losing the wheat by removing the weeds, and wisely, he instructs his servants to let both grow together until harvest time, when it will be apparent which plant it is. If we are to read through the Word of God, we'll realize right from the beginning, the Word of God and the, the people of God have been challenged. There have been contested. Cain killed Abel. Egypt imprisoned Israel. The Philistines attacked Judah. And the Assyrians and the Babylonians exiled Israel and Judah. It's all throughout God's word. Jesus himself is just facing one battle after another battle. And so we need to realize that the Bible, I don't know what world we live in, but when we read the Bible, we realize that there is what? Spiritual warfare. There's spiritual warfare. So burying our heads in the sand is not going to help us with that. We need to realize today that if you are in Christ, you are in a spiritual battle. Amen. It's just the reality. That's what this parable is telling us, what the kingdom of God is like. And so we see that there are these elements of this story that Jesus is teaching. There is the owner of the field. Now, who's the owner? He makes it very clear, because in verse 37, he says, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. And so we see that previously we looked at the fact about the good soil versus the three bad soils, and now he's saying, okay, you're good soil, you've received the word of God, but now what happens when you're good soil? <laughs> when you're good soil, right, the enemy comes and tries to plant other things right there. And so Jesus is saying here that who's the owner of the field, ultimately? He says, I am the owner of the field. The world, Jesus is reminding us today, the world is his. Despite what you see with the physical eye, the world is his. And we said this, that there's an enemy. While his enemy, while these men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. And then Jesus says in verse 39, when he explains this, he tells 
his disciples. The enemy is the devil that I'm talking about here. And so we cannot understand the world unless we understand the power of the enemy. He's real. Somebody said, if you don't believe in the devil, then you've got a problem because Jesus did. And he spoke openly about the enemy. Somebody said this, and I thought it was very powerful, especially after just uh, celebrating the Lord's Supper. The power of this enemy was so great, and the work of this enemy was so vast, that it took God to send an incarnation, a cross, and a resurrection to bring his kingdom to defeat. That's what it took. That's how powerful he is. But praise God, he is defeated today, church. Amen. That's what we just celebrated. He is defeated. Praise God. Jesus came to die to ransom his kingdom, to purchase his kingdom, and to destroy the works of the devil. Paul said it to the church in Ephesus very clearly, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's all throughout scripture that we're in this battle. And then we look at the seed in this parable. The good seed, he says, is the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and he explains the parable in verse 38. See, our first parable, the, the sower... We realize that the seed is the word of God. Now he's telling us something different. That we're the good seed. If we are in Christ, we're the good seed. But there are also those who are of the enemy. But as the good seed, God is asking you to what? He's asking you to bloom where you have been planted. Look at somebody and say again, bloom where you've been planted. Bloom where you've been planted. Oh, you're doing such a great job with that. And so Jesus explains it very clearly. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, and the tares are the sons of the wicked one. Notice there's not a third option. There's no third option, people. There's only two. Either you are a son or a daughter of the king, or you are considered a son or a daughter of the enemy. It's clear. It's clear in God's word. Right? That God makes it known. And if you are not for him, Jesus said, you are against me. And see, so you have good seed or the children of the kingdom. That's people who live under God's rule. Those are people that have open hearts to what God wants to sow into their lives and what God wants to do. And they come before him and they say, Lord, may you increase and may I decrease. The weeds are the children of the evil one. Now, I'm not saying they know they are. Often people do not know. But they are the children of the evil one. That is, people who like what the evil one likes. And ultimately, time and time again, as John 3.16, but if you go into verse 17 and 18, tells you, they are condemned already. Why? Because they have rejected. God doesn't condemn anyone. People condemn themselves on the fact that they have rejected what Christ has brought to kingdom. They have chosen, I would prefer to live in this world and be a part of the evil one's schemes and plans than to be a part of God's kingdom. And condemnation falls upon themselves because they have rejected the beautiful, wonderful gift that God has given. 
And we know, as John 3.16 tells us, it is out of love that God gave. And it's God's desire that none would perish. And so we see this difference between what is happening with the seed. And Jesus makes very clearly the field, as he explains in verse 38, is the whole world. Then there's a few questions here that come up in this parable, which is quite interesting. First of all, they say, And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? They can't understand this, but apparently it was something that was known that enemies would do that back in the day, that they would sow at night in the dark weeds into a good field of wheat. And so they're asking this question in this parable to, to the master, like, like, how did this happen? Where did this happen? And so, you know, where did these weeds show up? Now, here's another important question that they said. But before I get there, I just thought this question. Isn't that what we ask often? God, why? God, why does evil prevail? Why is there evil in this world? If you won the victory on the cross and out of the grave and are at the right hand of the Father today, why is there still struggle, loss, death, downright evil in our world? I don't understand that, God. Why is this still happening? That's a question that mankind, believers have had for many years. Now, that's why I say and lead you to this next question. And he said to them, an enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? Who likes to pull weeds? Some of us are better at pulling weeds than others. You know, I, I noticed here that I found out that dandelions are quite good for your soil, apparently. And I know we, the bees love them at the beginning of the year, but one of the hardest things is to go out and not mow. Mow them under, and you got fields of yellow. Especially for us in Ontario, that we had these little patches of grass, and everybody went out to make sure you got those dandelions up because you didn't want your, and you always frowned upon that neighbor that you all along that road dug up the dandelions, and they were the very one who didn't care, and their dandelions kept putting weeds into your garden. And out we went with our little thing that would dig up the dandelions. Praise God here that the fields sometimes are so big you wouldn't be out there digging them up. But that's the whole point of what Jesus is saying here. And there's a lesson for us to learn. The service at the servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull the weeds up? How does Jesus respond? He says, no. Let both grow together until the harvest. There's your answer. There's your answer to that question, why does evil abound? God knows what's going on. God is saying that those two things are going to continue to exist until my day. They grow together. And so in this world, you will see evil, you will see all kinds of things, and will make us think sometimes, God, where are you in the midst of this? But the question that really helps us to realize that the evil has been called to grow upon and with the, the, the good wheat, but there is coming a day, my friends, when there will be the return of Christ. And things will be made right again. 
Both grow together until the harvest. In the harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the wheat first and bind them in the bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. This is the teaching. It gives us wisdom that we're supposed to sustain in a lifetime of faith, but we need to understand the nature of the world we are living in. The nature of what this faith is all about. This world is fallen and evil. And some of us who have grown up as idealists, we have a problem with that. We have a problem when life is always unfair. Ta-da! What is Jesus saying? That somehow we think because we're in faith, or we know Christ, that somehow difficulty never comes knocking at my door. Well, then you've been mistaken, my friends, because that is clearly what the kingdom is like. Your faith and your witness will be challenged. What are we seeing in our day? All around us. Because evil will grow alongside the good until Christ comes. What did Jesus say? I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Oh boy, Pastor Mike's the only one awake. Tribulation. Tribulation, trouble. But take heart. What did Jesus say? Take heart. I have overcome the world. Now, here is a message for all of us. If you get this, it can change everything. <laughs> It is not your job to be going around pulling up weeds. Did you get that? That's what this parable is saying. The kingdom of God. They wanted to go out, Lord, Lord, we'll go out and we'll pull out these evil weeds. And as we pull out these evil weeds, what has happened? Wheat has been destroyed. Man, if there's a message for the church... How much wheat has been destroyed by people with good intentions, thinking it's their calling and their job to pull out the weeds. And Jesus makes it very clear right here. You leave it alone. It's not your job to pull out the weeds. The weeds and the wheat, he says, will grow together until I come. Warren Wiersbe said this about it. He tells a story of when he was a young man preaching on the last days with all the events of prophecy clearly laid out and all mapped out and perfectly planned. And at the end of the service, an older gentleman came up to him and came to him and whispered in his ear. And he said, I used to have the Lord's return planned out to the last detail. But years ago, I moved from the planning committee to the welcoming committee. What a statement. See, it's not my job to tell everybody that they're a weed and they need to be pulled out. It is my job to be a wheat, to grow, to show an example for others and welcome them into the kingdom. Show them the way of the kingdom and welcome them into the kingdom. Oh, it got silent in here all of a sudden. How many people, how many families have been destroyed by people feeling it is their job. How many people in politics think it's their job? How many people get out with placards and all those things and do all the things in the name of Christ and they have expelled people from the kingdom instead of welcoming them into the kingdom because it's not our role to convince people. It's our role to witness, hear me right, but it's the Holy Spirit. 
that works in people's hearts and changes lives. It's not ours. And so, I could preach more on that, but I won't. You can't bear it now. The harvest. At harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Apparently, back in those days, now wheat has apparently changed and transformed quite a bit, and now it even grows taller than originally it did. I don't know much, but who the farmers are looking at me. I believe that's where you can get straw. Several cuttings, right? I'm learning. <clears throat> but back in those days, it was lower. But what happened was these weeds would look like wheat. There's an actual name for them. And they were planted in such a way that you wouldn't be able to tell what was a weed and what was wheat. They grew up together. But then the wheat would grow up taller, and it would begin to produce the actual head of wheat. And so they would come across with the sickle, and they could take the wheat right off the top. And then the rest was cut down and used for fuel. And so Jesus is telling us that the kingdom of God is like what? There's a harvest coming, my friends. There's a day coming when God will indeed bring his harvest in. When he will come for the wheat and the weeds will be burned. Do you know it's interesting because I read this too this week on something else and I kind of realized here Isaiah 61, 1 to 2. This is the scripture Jesus stood up at the beginning of his ministry talking about the kingdom. This is what he read in the synagogue. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Do you realize the Lord stopped there? That's where he stopped, in Luke. And yet, we know if he was quoting from Isaiah, Isaiah said, And the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. So, so the question is, why would Jesus get up and announce this good news and say that he's come to comfort people and bring them into the kingdom, and he leaves out the vengeance of our God? Because the truth of it is, right now we're living under grace. There's still grace. We're living under grace today. Until the Lord comes, there's still an opportunity. Until the Lord returns, there's still an opportunity for grace. There's still a time to repent. There's still a time to turn. There's still a time for God's kingdom to come. And it's because of God's long suffering and it's because of his grace, praise God, that I can still pray and believe for my loved ones and my neighbors and others. That God is still gracious. He hasn't come yet. Oh, I cried, never not the Lord come. I'm sick of this world. I want out of it. But where would God's grace be? What would happen to the rest? And so because of God's grace, that we are still under grace. Until the Lord returns, there's hope. There's time. That's why we pray. People say, why do we pray? God goes, that's why we pray. That's why we get on our knees and we pray. We pray as a church and we beg God to still wait a while until the others can come in and be weak as well. We begin to pray for God's kingdom to come, for eyes to be opened, for people to hear the Holy Spirit. We do much more for the kingdom on our knees than we ever do getting pointing our fingers at people. Amen. 
So, there is coming a day, my friends, the day of vengeance. Grace comes now, but there is coming a day of judgment. Praise God, we're still living in the day of grace. But we are living in a field of wheat that's also laced with weeds. But in light of this, what is Jesus teaching us? You bloom where you're planted. Wherever I've planted you, don't look at the weeds around you. You bloom. You get ready. <laughs> you bring forth that head of wheat, that harvest. You do what I'm calling you to do. You bloom where you've been planted. And so I bring this to a close today with a few things. But the kingdom of God, my friends, has always been challenged and always will be. It has always been contested. And so if you are a believer in Christ, actually expect it. Expect it when people come against you and say all kinds of vile things about you, maybe lies about you. When it seems that your family doesn't want you there or doesn't want to hear. When your people at friends at school make fun of you. When, when you're at the workplace and they just seem to keep making things difficult for you. There's a contest going on for people's hearts. There's an ongoing moral contest in our culture. Temptation is knocking at the door constantly, wanting us to lose our witness, wanting us to fail, wanting us to move from the kingdom of our God to the kingdom of our enemy, and many people have failed in years past. But what do we do? We bloom where we're planted. We look at Jesus. Jesus, in the Gospels, lived in a contested world. Everything he said and done was challenged, and yet he kept on keeping on. And that's what we're called to do today as the church. Press on. We press on. We keep on. We, we do what God has been calling us to do as this challenged world that we live in. We live as an example. We live in an example that others can see that there is a God and there is a hope and there is a future and there is a kingdom and they can be a part of it. So what do we do? We bloom where we're planted. I like what somebody said. Wherever you are, God put you there for a reason. You bloom where you're planted. Oh, I've heard people grumble and complain. If, if I just had a different job, if I just had different people around me, then my life would be different. God has called us to be insulated, but not isolated. Say that to somebody. We're to be insulated, not isolated. So we're different than the world. We don't withdraw from the world. We live right there with the weeds. <laughs> And we let Jesus shine. We bloom where we're planted. And you know what you're going to need? Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. You know what we're going to need? My Uncle Virgil used to tell this story. He said this dear saint came up to the altar. And he knelt down with her and said, Sister, how can I pray for you? And she said, well, Pastor, you know, my husband, I just need patience. I just need patience. Oh, really? Why? Well, my husband, and she went on and on and on about all the things about her husband, and he listened very faithfully. And then he laid his hands on her head and started to pray for her. And he said, dear Lord, would you give this dear sister more patience? And she put her head up and said, hey, I didn't ask for prayer for that. I, I, I asked... <laughs> I asked for prayer for my husband. He said, no, no, you, you need this patience. And so he continued to 
pray for her for patience. Hmm. What are we needing? Are we needing patience today with the way things are going in our world? Are we needing perseverance that we keep on keeping on? You know, often the enemy will get us looking at everything that's going wrong in our world. And I have met Christians that spend most of their time talking about that. Instead of talking about the kingdom of God and all that God is doing and what he's going to do with inviting people into it. The enemy will get your eyes focused on the weeds. Instead of focused on what God wants you to focus on. And my friends, if we're going to make it, because it's not how you started, it's how you finish. And I'm praying I want to finish well. I pray all of you. I'm, I'm your shepherd, one of your shepherds, and so my responsibility is to help you to finish well. Because that's what it's about. It's not how you started. I praise God you got started, but it's not how you started that matters, because we all come to Christ in different ways, but we need to finish well. And so we need perseverance. We need to be able to stand up and stand strong, lift that head up while the weeds are all around us. You see, as a church, we have enough to deal with in our own lives. Sin can be in our own hearts if we're not careful. Sin is in our own families, and sin can even be in the church. So God wants you to take care of that, and he'll take care of the weeds. Now hear me right. Patience is not tolerance. We're not going around tolerating everything. We speak up for what is right. We speak out against evil, but we follow Jesus' methodology and not the world's. Somebody had these couple questions. Are you trying to force things? Are you resorting to intimidation? Would even be somewhat abusive? Manipulate people, trying to manipulate people into the kingdom of God? Are you trying to badger a family member to believe? Do they cringe when they see you coming? Are you trying to manipulate someone to change through guilt? See, it is the Holy Spirit's role to change a life. It's the Holy Spirit's role to convict. It's the Holy Spirit's role to change someone morally. It's not our role. We've never been called to do that. What we've been called to do is to witness. And I read this morning, you know where the witness is? Telling your story. Telling what God has done in your life that he's still God. Telling others about, look what God's done for me. Look at the change and transformation. And you know what? He can do it for you too. And I hope, church, we're anticipating the harvest. I hope that we get our eyes on the harvest. I hope that we are looking forward to it and expecting it and can't wait when the Lord will gather his church, his bride, into his barn. And it says they'll do what? They're going to shine. That's what God's word says. That as we anticipate the harvest, we're going to shine. The Lord has put you here on purpose. You are in the exact spot that he wants you to be. You have been born into the exact family he wants you to be. In this time, in this moment, he wants you to be right where you are. Question is, have you accepted that? And are you using it for his glory? Because you need to bloom where he's planted you. You will be the wheat, and there will be weeds. 
I have a closing story. I ask the worship team to come. But here's an important question. As the worship team comes, I ask them to do it very quietly as I ask this question. There is a day, no doubt, believe it with everything within me, right into the bones, right into the bones, I'm trying to make a call here, okay? I believe it right into the sinews, right into the center of my bones, that there's a day coming. Anyone else believe that with me? Amen. Amen? There is a day coming when the trump shall sound. Sure. And God has been, this has been his design from beginning since the fall of man even before, knowing that man would fall, that he would come and redeem us. And we would get to enter into his kingdom. And we won't go into all those details today. Isaiah called it a day of vengeance. <laughs> Others call it the day of the Lord. Others say that it's the day of judgment. Whatever name you want to use, then there won't be grace anymore. Because grace has been given and given and given. Altar calls have been given and given and given. Faith has been shared and shared and shared. Opportunities have knocked and knocked and knocked. But there is coming a day. I pray you are wheat. I pray you are the good seed in good soil. Because there's going to be this hard question that needs to be asked today, and only you can answer it. Now leave it between you and the Lord. Will you be bundled with the wheat? Or will you be bundled with the wheat? That's it. There's no third choice. Jesus makes it very clear here. Either you are for him and his kingdom, or either you are not. And so God is saying, it's time. It's time to realize, yes, our world is fallen, it's broken, but I have a plan. Do you realize that today? That's what the harvest tells me. God knows what he's doing. God has a plan. God has a plan that he will lead the weeds and the wheat to grow together, but there's a day coming when the harvest will indeed come. And all things will be made right. And we will enter into his kingdom with him. Closing story. Hold on. Wait a minute. Hold on. There was a young Christian told of his experience in the First World War, and he was lost. He was the lost battalion. They never knew where they were. They were cut off from the main army, and as they were there, there were the Germans right there, and their food ran out, and their water ran out, and they were left with one shell. And so they decided, because the Germans kept saying to them, surrender, surrender, and they wouldn't surrender. And, and so they said, what are we to do? And they had one shell left. And what they decided to do with that shell is they turned the cannon up to the sky, and they shot off the shell at the darkest night so that maybe, just maybe, they would see that hey, this is where we are. We're here. And so apparently they waited with no food and no water, and then all of a sudden an airplane came by and dropped canteens of water and dropped bread. And, and they could see that as they got this, there was a message put on there, hold on, we're coming. And this went on for days. The airplane would come by and drop the water and drop the food. And they get that message again to encourage them, hold on, we're coming. 
Until finally that day, the day came when they could hear the cannons roaring and the army came in and took over the front lines and brought them to safety. As Christians, every day, the enemy is coming asking us to surrender. As Christians, every day there's somebody laughing at us or saying to us, this isn't worth it, give up, surrender. But I want to tell you today, my friends, there's one that's saying to you, hold on, wait, there's a day coming. And you get to be a part of it. So you hold on and wait. But praise God, let us bring as many with us as we can. Because the harvest, the Lord wants his harvest to be great. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you that we can be here. Thank you that your kingdom of God, yeah, you're being honest with us. The kingdom of God is wonderful and great, but it is challenged in this day. It has been challenged in every day. God, help us all to do our part, we pray. Help us. I pray if there are any today that would say before you, Holy Spirit, I don't know if I'd be bundled with the wheat. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of recommitment. Today is the day to make it right. Why would you wait <laughs> when you can be a part of the kingdom of God and have his wonderful harvest to look forward to? Father, it's only a prayer away. We pray that you would move on hearts and lives this day. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Stand with us, church.